Hello my gods and goddesses and welcome to the Bruja Temple. This is Deconstruction of Christianity on the Biblical Standpoints using one book and their own scripture. We are talking about prosperity today. I've seen a lot of pastors in my lifetime proclaim that if you tithe and give offering that God will send a blessing. The funny thing is, is most pastors tend to utilize just one verse instead of going into understanding what tithe is, why it was created in the first place, what's the whole dynamic of tithe, um, and what is the idea of prosperity. So before we get into prosperity, let's highlight tithe for a moment. Now again, this is just me rambling on into my headset while I sort through the paperwork that I have and all my notes. So please bear with me. Please grab a pen and paper and you can look up these scriptures by yourself and have an understanding of what is actually being said here. So in the back of this Bible I have, you could look up a certain topic from prosperity to tithe, which I prefer to look up both they're both coincide with some sort of financial gain. The thing of it is, is in the definition of tithe, nowhere in the Bible talks about money, talks about food. To give a tithe of food, it's all talking about the harvest of the crop and the cattle and, and everything like that. Now I want to highlight Abraham and Melchizedek. Melchizedek is known as the highest priest of heaven. This Melchizedek is known for justice and peace. A Jewish law in tithe was to give the 10th percent to the priest. They were mainly relatives. Melchizedek is known as the person that doesn't have a mother or a father, has no beginning or no end. Now I have my own theories and skeptics about who Melchizedek actually is, but Jesus was represented as a highest priest like Melchizedek um, in Hebrews 7, 5, around that area. This is the first uh, initial scripture reading. When you look up tithe uh, in the back of the book, it says paid by Abraham to Melchizedek. And that was basically giving honor to the priest that blessed them. Now we want to understand why. The priest needed this um, tithe. In Genesis 28, 22, it talks about Jacob's ladder. Now, Jacob had about 12 sons, the third of which is Levi. Sorry if you heard the lightning and thundering. It is raining here, and I absolutely love it. Anyways, Jacob's third son is Levi. And his descendants are known as the Levites. Now the Levites are supposed to be the ones who own no property. They are to be only tools utilized for the priesthood of God. All they need is God. So they have no property. They have no home. The, the tithe is to help feed these Levites. And they're known basically as relatives. You will have a priest in your, your family and you were to feed them. You were to take care of them. 
It even talks about that in Deuteronomy 14, 22 through uh, 29. So if you look up Deuteronomy 14, 22 through 29, it talks about the Levites, especially in the area of uh, verses 27 through 29. Don't forget to share your income with the Levites in your community. For they have no property or crops as you do. The Levites were not allowed to have property because they were supposed to be the clergy of uh, the tribe within Jacob's family. Um, his children have certain jobs. Each child have their heritage to carry on. The Levites were the clergymen. These were the priests that needed to be fed and taken care of. This is the only reason I see that tithe was to be done so these pastors who want to be clergymen and and guidance uh, to the people should not be owning property uh, if anything rent a place be humble uh, and know that all the clergymen all the pastors need is God and the people will help with food and whatever else needed to make sure these people can survive The idea of pastors nowadays living up to the point of having a multi-million dollar um, estate, having a net worth, um, it's, it's fascinating how things are turned from what they claim the Bible says to how they live their life. Now, Levitation's, I think it's called Levitation, Mai's head, don't mind me. You want to look it up. Um, 27 to 30 Leviticus Leviticus 27 through 30 it's a commitment to pay the Lord through the priest only if dedicated to the Lord and can be bought back adding 5% more uh, it's an interest you pay the priest because it is um, a worker of Christ or not Christ God at the time it's in Leviticus and if you need it back, you can buy it back, but with 5% extra. And it's, it's food, it's storehouses. The whole interest of tithe is to build up in the storehouses and to provide for the Levites, to provide for those clergymen who are dedicated to doing what God asks. Now they say Proverbs 3, 9, to honor first part of income, the barns will be filled with wheat and barley and overflow. Um, the income of your harvest. Again, back in the time, you know, until Jesus, they never talked about coins or money or anything like that. It was, it was a harvest. Now, one thing people want to highlight is Malachi 3, 8. Malachi 3.8 is, says, Will a priest rob God? It's not giving the best harvest. At that time, Malachi, uh, the priest in this, was talking to the people and saying, Hey, you know, just give whatever. It doesn't have to be the best. And that was robbing God. And what we're going to do is, after, after I explain Malachi, I'm going to read the definition of what tithe is. Um... So it says in Malachi 3, 8, Will a man rob God? Surely not. And yet you have robbed me. What do you mean? 
When did we ever rob you? You have robbed me of the tithes and offerings due to me. And so it is an awesome curse of God is cursing you for the whole nation's robbing me. Being all the tithes, bring all the tithes to the storehouse that there will be food enough in my temple. If you do, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings, pour out a blessing. I have to reread that because in my mind I was struck to the point to where pastors will tell you, pour out blessings. No, it's pour out a blessing. So great that you won't have room enough to take it. It's one blessing. Now they, they highlight this and saying, you know, you have to bring in your tithe. But let me get the, the part where he says this. Okay, Malachi starts with all of this tithing in the first chapter. And we're going to go up to verse 6 in Malachi 1. Malachi 1 verse 6 says, A son honor, honors his father, and servants honor their master. I am your father and master, and yet you do not honor me, O priest. But you despise my name. Who? Us? You say. When did we ever despise your name? When you offered polluted sacrifice in on my altar. Polluted sacrifices when did we ever do such things as that? Every time you say, don't bother bringing anything very valuable to offer to God, you tell people lame animals are all right to offer to the altar of God. Yes, even sick and blind ones. And you claim it isn't evil. You try it on your governor sometime. Give him gifts like that and see how pleased he is. Now, what I want to highlight there is the fact that they're talking to the priests and the priests alone. And the priests have certain laws in order to enter into the Holy of Holies. Okay, the sacrifices that are to be made by the priest, by pretty much the Levites as well. The people itself come and they, they don't forget their Levites. They give to the Levites as well. And the understanding of the tithe amongst the people that's not in the priesthood is pretty much uh, in, like I said, Deuteronomy 14, starting at verse 22. It says, You must tithe all your crops every year. So in this time, it would be tax season. Okay. Bring this tithe to eat before the Lord your God in a place he shall choose as a sanctuary. Now understand what it highlights here. Bring this tithe to eat before the Lord your God. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn of your new flocks and herds. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. If the place the Lord chooses for his sanctuary is far away, that it isn't convenient to you to carry your tithes to this place then you may sell your tithe portions of your crops and herds and take the money to the Lord's sanctuary when you arrive use the money to buy an ox a sheep some wine or beer to feast there before the Lord your God and rejoice with your household the entirety of this is to describe and elevate the fact that it has nothing to do with giving money to a church 
The tithe is to dwell within what I believe, whatever energy you give honor and refuge to. Uh, anybody of pagan origins or any Wiccan or anybody who has a deity or Patreon can tithe to that by feasting and giving thanks for that um, dwelling. Okay. Now we're going to read on from 27. I read it earlier, but I'm going to go over it because I'm going to go all the way down um, because this would I would consider more as an offering. 27 in Deuteronomy 14 says, Do not forget to share your income with the Levites in your community, for they have no property or crops as you do. Now every third year you are to use your entire tithe for local welfare programs. Give it to the Levites who have no inheritance among you, to foreigners or widows and orphans within your city, so that they can eat and be satisfied. And then Jehovah your God will bless you and your work. The idea of giving it to a church is in the hopes that uh, they are taking care of the community, that they are going to be um, taking care of the foreigners, the widows, the orphans. But it's not really much of anything being shown. When you do tithe and offerings, the offerings is to help the community. The tithing is supposed to be help your household. Give a tenth of your income into a savings account. If you get paid at once a month, put a tenth of that in a savings account. Build it up because then you can bless you and your household. Within every third year, do something big for the community. If everybody who claims to be a Christian actually follows by the rules of tithe and offering within this dynamic of Deuteronomy 14, 22 through 29, we can have a whole grasp of people helping people regardless. It says to help the welfare programs, and yet many people are complaining about the programs we have here in the United States. They are helpful, and yes, some people abuse it, but it's in the book to actually help people. Okay. Um, we're going to go on to, and, the, and, and what we're talking about is the due to God. Okay. Um, we're going to now understand the, the Levites here. Numbers 1821, the tithes were paid to the Levites for they were priests and relatives ordered by God not to have property or any income. Um, they were for God is all that they need. They were to basically devote themselves to God no income, no property, and um, be priests within the, their world. Second Chronicles 31.5, paid to the Levites again, so they do not work. They apply fully to God. Um, and the tithes I want to highlight is mainly food again. Now we talked about earlier, okay, and, and this is Nehemiah 10... 37. I'm not going to actually say if I'm saying this right. Uh, I think it's Nehiam. But they were talking about the barns and the overflow and stuff like that. And how um, if you want to buy it back in 5% uh, interest. These storehouses, if everybody gave in tithe to these Levites, there would be so much that there had to have a storehouse. There had to have a place to put it. And then if you were in need to get food... You would have to buy it with 5% interest, okay? It wasn't as though, you know, you're just feeding them for the day. You were feeding them for a while because as many people would give in their 
their 10% with their um, harvest, it would be a highlight of, of that. So I, wa I want to make sure people know when it talks about the storehouse, it's talking about something that you can actually utilize. Okay. That is why, you know, when people say they go to the church for help and they need help, you can utilize that. Okay. And that is how, you know, the importance of actually putting tithe in there. But if you still go to a church, they should still have the opportunity to help you when you have nothing to give or offer. Okay. That is the dedication of basically what it says in Deuteronomy 14. Hebrews 7, 5. Gifts to the relatives, for they were devoted priests. Again, this is basically saying that the Levites had no job. They could not have an income. They could not own property. These were clergymen, priests, pastors for God, and it said God is all that they needed. Now we went into Deuteronomy 14, the feast tied to the family to eat. Every third was to go to the Levites, but the offerings still happened at every other, every tithe that happened. Okay, give to the Levites, give to uh, the priests who were guiding within you spiritually. And you notice in that ver verse, stammering here, but it's okay. Notice that verse in Deuteronomy 14, 27, it mentions the Levites twice. First, that is, and I want to highlight this, okay? If you're doing every year, you're going to do your tithe, you have 10%, you're feasting with your family, whether whatever Patreon you have. Don't forget to share your income with your Levites of your community, for they have no property or crops as you do. That is uh, right after doing your tithe. But every third year, it mentions the Levites again, because they have no inheritance among you. For every third year, the entirety of your tithe goes to local welfare programs. Give it to the Levites who have no inheritance, the foreigners, the widows, the orphans within your city. So we have an understanding of what tithe is and, and what it actually stands for. It's basically taking care of those who are doing the civic work of of priesthood in a sense of helping people be guided spiritually okay and this could be highlighted in any um, form of spirituality and those who are willing to you know help helps you know but I want to highlight it within the Christian factor of it's not about the church or the body or, or a building the pastors nowadays are looking at the materialistic of it, okay? When you tithe, do you really see your community going, getting any better? When you tithe, do you see the hungry actually full? Do you see orphans being taken care of? Do you see people on the streets helping those in need? Because if you're trying to, to give this offering, to this church thinking they're going to do good wouldn't you want to see a result in it instead the pastors want to preach about materialistic gain i had a pastor once who actually told the assistant pastor because the assistant pastor had a nicer house than the regular pastor that he had to move and switch homes with him because he was a, a, a the the man of god and he had to have the nice house. 
he had to have the nice car. And it made me sick when I found that out because that wasn't the whole idea of it. Okay. This was the icebreaker. You know, this, this was what getting the ice for my belief very thin is how pastors portrayed themselves. I had another pastor who, of course, it was when I was living with, you know, talking with the incubator. I was going to the church she went to. And I told her I didn't really have much any food or anything like that. And she told me to go into the pantry and get some food. I only grabbed one box. Grabbed one box of a hamburger helper so I could eat that day. The next Sunday I go in and this pastor pulls me aside. And at that time, a friend bought hair dye to dye my hair. And yes, I smoke cigarettes. But he pulls me aside into his office and he said, you know what, if you dye your hair and if you smoke cigarettes, you don't need to get in our pantry. You don't need our help. Again, the whole idea of helping people goes beyond physicalities. All right, so now we're going to get into the prosperity part. And when I look up into the back, there's many different highlights of it. Okay, so we got scripture versus uh, prosperity of the righteous, um, prosperity of the wicked, and the dangers of prosperity. The only thing most people would want to look at is of the righteous. So we're going to go Psalms 36, 8. You feed them with blessings from your own table and let them drink from your rivers of delight. This is pretty much making sure those who are in service um, is fed and taken care of. Psalms 3711. But all who humble themselves before the Lord shall be given every blessing and shall have a wonderful peace. Define humble. Not thinking that they are better than anybody else. What is the blessings? The blessings is divine peace. If you humble yourself, why would you spend money into gloating and getting a high-end car or, or this big mansion? Like, why would you want to live in a multi-million dollar home, Joel Olstein? What is the purpose of your drive? How humble are you going to bring yourself down to? I honestly believe that me and my husband have been humbled because though we are trying to help a lot of people, we got into a materialistic mindset of wanting a certain car or, or certain things. And to be honest, we have been humbled and he is Catholic and I am an ominous witch, but ever since We've gotten to the point to just letting the materialistic things go. We have been provided for. We have a landlady who understands, hey, you know, we got to get this car working. I told her, hey, next next week, you know, next payday, we'll be able to get the rest of the half of the rent. And this was today. And she's like, yeah, then no problem. If we need to, you know, hold something back, no problem. We are blessed to have that landlady. Okay. The universe worked in our favor for that. Okay. We have been humbled down to stop looking at the materialistic things and start looking at what we want to do within our life. And it doesn't matter about the materialistic things. We get somebody coming at our door once a week to every two weeks with food. Like we are really taken care of and we don't put much effort into it. We just trust the universe. 
That is prosperity, knowing that the universe will provide what you need. Many people are out for what they want. And yes, I am human. I want things. And if you're ever on my TikTok, you know I received a shirt from the Bayou Bruja. Raven. I was not expecting anybody to get me the Waffle House Witch shirt. I was going to try and put money aside. And it hurt me because I wanted to support this, this, this small business creator. But I really wanted that shirt. And next thing I know, I, I'm getting a message that somebody got it for me. And in my heart, I already knew who it was. And I received a shirt that I wanted. But I was going to be patient and waiting to get it myself. The universe will get you a little bitty things of what you wanted to, to just say thank you. You're doing good. Keep going. But you have to work on letting the universe take care of your needs. We're going to go on with Psalms 37, 18. Day by day, the Lord observes the good deeds done by godly men and gives them eternal rewards. People want to use that and be like, oh, we're going to get these rewards, all this money. No, eternal is, is forever. Forever. Tomorrow, June 25th, it'd be six years I married my best friend. This is the first relationship I've ever been in. And I take that as one of the eternal rewards. Because of everything that I tried to stand for and do good and do right and do whatever it was good for others, I got blessed with love. And that is the best gift ever. Eternal rewards is stuff that make your heart just go, yes, I'm, I feel so good. And sometimes the world feels like it's not going to happen, but you have to be patient because the eternal rewards are going to be eternal and it's going to be something that completely changes you forever. Going on, because I'm excited about tomorrow. We are going to be doing a lot of things tomorrow, not necessarily celebrating our anniversary, but whatever. Okay. If you're, if you're listening to this past June 25th, you know, uh, check my uh, TikTok, see what we did. Psalms 75.10 I will cut off strength of evil men, says the Lord, and increase the power of good men in their place. What is power? Power is not physicality. Power is nothing physical. Okay, we talked about the physicalities of the um, Adam and Eve. On how Adam did not feel guilty about disobeying God, but felt guilty of his physical form. If pastors are using this saying that the strength of evil men will give me power as an increased flow of income that is not what it's talking about physicality is something that disgust adam it apparently disgusts god too because physical is something that is not of the spiritual or of the energy of love it is is control and demand of hey take care of me Psalms 84.11 For Jehovah God is our light and our provider. He gives us glory and grace. No good thing will he withhold from us. 
for those who walk along his path. What do you call good? What do you call good? Like I said, me and my husband has set aside a lot of materialistic things and we are trying to help other people. And we are understanding that sometimes if we're going to do good, we're going to let the universe provide for us as we help provide for other people. Sometimes we go with no money for two weeks, pay the bills, take care of what we need to take care of, and, and we're good, right? But we get provided for. Something happens. Something moves. People's heart just moves me when they do something that, that is unexpected of them. They do something out of kindness because they feel drawn. That is the good thing of knowing that nothing will be withhold and, and more so this verse would be more of the wisdom than it is physical materialistic things. Now again, I want you to remind you, I am not a Christian. Okay, I read these scriptures and a lot of Psalms are, are spell work. They are spell work. They are increased for the spirituality of life. The whole biblical aspect, if you really read it for what it is and discard what is man-made, then you know that all of this ties into all the other religions. And Buddha would be the first to say that you don't need stuff to make you happy. Psalms 92.12 But the godly shall flourish like palm trees and grow tall in cedar of the Liban. That has nothing to do with financial. But it is in the prosperity lineup. It is. It is in the prosperity lineup for the righteous. And so everything so far is more of eternal and growth and spirituality and wisdom. Proverbs 3.2 If you want a long, satisfying life, closely follow my instructions. We're going to actually go to that um, verse real quick. Now, when I got my Bible that I work from, um, mainly work from, like this is a tearing up Bible. It is the living Bible. I got it in 1989. The first scripture that my real dad put in there was Psalms, no, Proverbs, pardon me, Proverbs 3, 4, 5, and 6. So we're going to start with verse 3 saying this, never tire of loyalty and kindness. Hold these virtues tightly. Write them deep within your hearts. If you want a favor from both God and man and a reputation for good judgment and common sense, then trust in the Lord completely, but never trust in yourself. In everything you do, put God first and he will direct you and your crown your efforts with success. This is not a physical manner as well. When I read this and my devotion to a spirit and energy is the same as that, I put my trust in the spirit. I put my trust in the higher consciousness that I have. I do not put my trust in the physicalities of my being and the desire of my wants. It is not a richness of materialistics. Last one on for the righteous. Ecclesiastes 8, 12. But through a man sins a hundred times and still lives. I know very well that those who fear God will be better off. My big question is what? That has nothing to do with prosperity. Has nothing to do with prosperity. 
The only thing you get out of the scripture is basically, yes, the good men die young. But though a man sins a hundred times and still lives, I know very well those who fear God will be better off. Living in the physical world is going to kill you one, one way or another. Okay, and physicality of it. Now let's talk about the, the prosperity of the wicked. Now this is what really, really interests me is this goes into the physicality of prosperity. Job 12, 6, for robbers prosper, go ahead and provoke God. It makes no difference. He will supply your every need anyway. The verse is, um, beforehand was a rich man mocking those in need. I, I think when, when you look it up, it should have been the verse beforehand. Because you mock those in need being rich. That is when you find uh, you're not so good. We'll start off with, uh, we'll start a, a verse f before that as well. Um, so Job 12, 4. I, the man who begged God for help and God answered him, have become a laughingstock to my neighbors. Yes, I, a righteous man, am now the man they scoff at. Meanwhile, the rich mock those in trouble and are weak to despise all those in need. For robbers prosper. Go ahead and provoke God. It makes no difference. He will supply your every need anyway. We also want to let you know that Job is basically about how this rich man got everything taken away from him and see whether or not he's still trusted in, in God. So it goes to Job 20, 4 through 5. It says, don't you realize that ever since man was first placed on the earth, the triumph of the wicked had been short-lived and the joy of the godless for, but for a moment? Um, basically, those who strive with joy and prosperity within the financial realm, it, it, it's short-lived. You know, it, it gets really attacked in some way, shape, or form. And, and those who really have felt it, felt it. If you get, live in the materialistic, the universe is going to take it away from you and see where you stand on your, on your faith. Um, and I'm not trying to sit there and spout. Um, everybody's going to end up like Job. But um, it's a lesson in humbling yourself and realizing that the universe says, I got you. Job, start at the verse 1. Read all the way. I am not going to read all of this, okay? But we're going to try and get... Listen to me and let me speak. Afterwards, mock on. I am complaining about God, not man. No wonder my spirit is so troubled. Look at me in horror and lay your hands upon the mouth. And I'm even frightened when I see myself. Horror takes upon me and, my, and I shudder. This is a complaint to God about how he is... Faithful, rich, but ended up having to suffer. Well, you say, this goes down to verse 19. Or we'll go to 16, sorry. Look, everything that wicked touch has turned to gold. But I refuse to even deal with people like that. Yet the wicked get away with every little thing every time. They never have trouble, and God skips them when they dispute his sorrows and angers. 
Are they driven before the winds like a straw? Are they carried away like a storm? Not at all. That was like a poem, I swear. You've seen people who are wicked and evil prosper within your life. And you wonder why. And you want to try and understand why you can't prosper like that. Why you can't have peace like that. But the thing of it is, is you have more peace trusting in the universe and living in the moment than trusting in what the wicked trust because they have no peace. They're always on the go. They're always trying to rake in more. They're always hustling. They're always bustling. They're always wanting the physical stuff that has to be replaced. Like the new iPhones keep coming out. New TVs keep coming out. The bigger and better things keep coming out and they have to keep bustling and they have to keep worrying about it. But if you let the universe take care of you, you do not need to worry. Psalms. 17.10 They are pitiless and arrogant. Listen to their boastings. The wicked will boast, but yet they are arrogant and have no course in their path of pure happiness. They say more money, more problems, right? Psalm 37.1 Never envy the wicked. Never envy the wicked. The wicked is going to prosper, but do not envy what they have. Because again, like I said, they have distortion and and greed, and they're they're looking for their next con. Okay, you pastors who are living on the you know this wealthy train are looking for your next con. Um, even scripture says with Jesus saying, "It is easier for a camel to enter an eye of a needle." Then for a rich man to enter the heaven, into the kingdom of God. And after Christ even tells you where the kingdom of God is, you still want to look to the clouds, which is funny. And that could be on a whole other topic on how to reach the kingdom of God and understand you must look within. I mean, that's plain simple right there. Psalms 37.3 I was envious of the prosperity of the proud and the wicked. Which Psalm 37, 1 basically says not to. Um, but you look at it and you, and you wonder, it's like you see people who are hustling and bustling and always on the go to, to get this money. And they have this, this nice house, nice cars. And it's like, that would be so nice to have that kind of luxury. But my peace is my luxury. The fact that I can probably go into a thrift store and find something that I've been wanting for a long time and it'd probably be for two dollars. That is my luxury. Knowing that the universe is going to put me in this in the place I need to be at the right time. To bless me with something that, I, that I've been waiting on, that I've been holding out on. Ecclesiastes 8.14 there is a strange thing happening here upon the earth, provided providence seems to treat some good men as though they were wicked and some wicked men as though they were good. This is all very vexing and troublesome. Pretty much in the sense that these supposed good men are these pastors living in multi-million dollar homes. I mean, they seem good men, but they are living a wicked life. 
Now, real quickly before I close this out, I know this is extended, but uh, I use more scripture than most pastors, okay? And I'm not a pastor. I'm more of a sage. I'm Ami Sage. Don't call me pastor. I'm Ami Sage. Though I do have um, the ability to marry people. So, if you want to get married, let me know. I'll tell you where I'm at. Dangers of prosperity. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6.10. When the Lord your God has brought you into the land, he promised your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that when he has given great cities full of good things, cities you did not build, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees you did not plant, and when you have eaten until you become, till you can hold no more, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and land of slavery. Okay, this is basically when the universe provides for you and gives you all this stuff. And then you end up forgetting the universe and forgetting that and living in that luxury because you like these good things that are happening. It's like when me and my husband, uh, I, got a, I got a car when me and him first got to initially together together. And ran 500 thousand miles on it which was insane but we were looking for another car and then we kept every year we're getting trying to get something new something better and living in that part of not trusting the universe and you know being happy with what we got you know this is the the devastation of when you find your kingdom when you find your higher self when you get into that knowledge of your third eye opening and your crown giving you the knowledge of and the downloads that you need and it starts blessing you with certain things that you need, you know, that you wanted, you know, and you live within that blessing and you live in that materialistic, you're going to lose those downloads. You're going to lose that sight. Proverbs 1, 32. For you turn away from me to death, your own complacency will kill you, fools. Again, switching into the, the realm of physicality, the materialistic world, all that. Proverbs 38. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither pro poverty nor which riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. This is what we're talking about. Asking the universe to give us just enough to satisfy our needs. And then the universe will bless us with the little things we want here and there. But do not live within those wants. Be content with what you got. These little bitty things that I, you know, my, my husband's like, oh, go ahead and get it. I, I feel blessed to get it because it helps with a lot of things I want to do. But I'm not living within the materialistics of these, these blessings. Go ahead on, on homework if you want to look up. Just read the book of James. Um, we're going to go to Luke 6, 24. But oh, the sorrows that wait the riches, for they have their own only happiness down here. When your only happiness is in the physical realm, you're not going to be at peace with yourself. Again, you're going to keep going and you keep going. Luke 12, 16 through 21. Read the whole thing. Um, Luke 16, 9. But shall I tell you the act that only... That why... Why to buy friendship through cheating? This will only ensure your entry into the everlasting home in heaven. 
Sorry, I kind of botched that, but it was more of a sense is why buy friendship uh, when you just show love and compassion and be able to just sit with them without needing to pay them anything. Now, again, I don't like podcast that's too long and gets boring and I hope I didn't bore you all but the thing of it is 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 what you get out of this is the fact that materialistic world that we live in this physicality was already a disgust to Adam himself that he hid himself from the higher consciousness that he had the from this universal entity of energy love and I'm using biblical scripture because we are deconstructing from the mindset of how we're supposed to give to the church or do what the pastor says because that's going to enter us in the kingdom of heaven. When Christ itself said, seek first the kingdom of God and then says the kingdom of God is within you. So how are you going to seek the kingdom of God within you if you're not going to focus on what you need to do and what you need to heal and realize that the physical uh, aspects of the world is something that is going to distract us from diving in deeper and fixing our anger issues or our our worry or anxiety or our self-doubt our, our confidence level goes lower or it, it boosts up into this big egocentric you know mindset how are we going to reach that that heavenly place of the higher self in the third eye and the crown shocker when we can't even show love to others let alone love to ourselves or even speak health and wealth upon people that we have this power to do so our physical form is just a tool to get us from one place to another the livelihoods we have is trusting into the universe and diving out into who we are and showing the power of the energy that is unseen now, i really hope you take this and and know that if you are deconstructing you are doing mwah, wonderful work keep doing shadow work keep working on yourself you know you're going to get a glimpse of great things coming and I, I i feel like something big is going to move and shake those who are really destined to find this kingdom of the higher consciousness that dwells in each and every one of us of the energy exchange of love peace out love you all may the spirits guide you and keep you and don't forget to share and keep contact with me on tiktok